Thanks for listening to the Wellspring Church Podcast. Amen. Why don't you have a seat? Good morning. Glad you guys are here. If you're a guest today, uh, my name's Trey Kelly. I'm the lead pastor. Thank you. And man, we're, we're excited uh, that you're here. Thanks for joining us in the room. Thanks for joining us online. Uh, if you are new today, uh, we are in the middle of a series. We started a few weeks ago. And the series is called Your Next Step. And the concept behind the series is very simple. Uh, we believe the process of following Jesus, of becoming a Christ follower, is a journey. It's a lifelong process. And it's one where every day, those of us that choose to follow Jesus are going to wake up with a step to take. Day by day, moment by moment. So what we've been doing for the last few weeks is trying to help all of us understand what that looks like in different areas of our life. And so if you are new today and this is your first time, I'm going to encourage you, if you don't have it already, grab our app. It's a great way to stay connected, but also we put all our content here. And so this is week four of the series. And so when we're done, if you want to go back, you want to see where we've been, one, two, and three, you can go back and you can watch. Because this entire series really revolves around something Jesus said to his disciples three years into his public ministry. He looks at them and he says, hey, if any of you want to be my followers, and they're like, bro, we've been following for three years. And he says, if any one of you want to be my followers, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And what Jesus was teaching them and through them, us, is what we just talked about. Following Jesus is a daily, moment-by-moment decision. And so the core of this series has been to help me and you and all of us adopt a certain approach to our lives. And it's this. I will deny myself in devotion to my Savior. That is the call of a Christian. That is the call of a Christ follower. Is that in every moment of every aspect of our lives, every decision, that we choose to deny ourselves in devotion to him. Jesus knows more than we do. And so we've been talking about how we do that. Week two, my wife taught with me and we learned that part of following Jesus is that we have to learn to accept our limitations and we have to learn to embrace God's pace in our life. Sometimes the limitations are physical. Sometimes the limitations are the rules he gives us, the things he calls sins. And part of denying ourselves is, is, is living in the situation God's placed us in and trusting him to guide us as we move forward. Uh, last week, we talked about some very specific steps that he's given all of us within the confines of this gathering, of this group. See, we believe God created the church so that people who love Jesus could have a place to come together, to learn about Jesus, to grow in, in Jesus, and to have a way to communicate to a world that desperately needs Jesus. Hey, this is a place for you. And last week, we discovered the second the church launched, there were a few practices, a few things they began doing. And they did it throughout the New Testament. And we believe that they still are applicable to us Today. And so last week we kind of ended talking about these, some church steps is what we called them. We called them church steps. And, and we basically said, look, if you attend our church, if you call it Wellspring Home and any of these steps aren't in your life, your next step, we believe, would be to engage in some of these things. We talked about the fact that it talks about getting baptized, attending regularly, joining a group, volunteer, and make generosity a habit. This is where we left it last week. And I told you this week we were going to pick up 
and talk about how we follow Jesus personally. And that was all collectively. That's what we do as a group. How do we follow Jesus in our day-to-day lives? What's our next step at work, at home, in our neighborhoods? What does that look like? And that's where we're going to pick up today. And I want to go back, if you were here week two, I want to go back to an illustration I used at the end of week two. And I talked about building a fire. Because if you remember, week two was all about embracing our limits. And I talked about how if you ever build a campfire, you know, I'm going to build this wrong, by the way. So you're going to start freaking out like I'm building it wrong on purpose, okay? I can see online right now. He does not know how to build a fire. When you build a campfire, you cannot just stack all the wood on top of each other and hope that anything happens. Because there's no space. If you try to light this fire, it might light a little. It's going to smoke. But it's not going to roar. Because there's three things you need for fire. You need a spark. You need fuel. You need space. A fire needs oxygen. That's why if you ever... Watch people try to build a fire. My wife and I love this TV show called Alone. If you've ever seen it, it is wild. And uh, they live alone. That's all I'll tell you. But they always build a fire. And, and if you've ever watched them, every single one of them, they try to get a little spark. And then immediately they're down there going. <sighs> I mean, they're blowing as hard as they can because they understand. And then once you have a spark, you have to be careful to build the fire in such a way to where there's ample air, there's ample room, there's ample space for the fire to grow. And so a lot of times they'll build a foundation like this. This is actually called a log cabin fire. (laughs) If you are... So last week, we talked about a series of steps, these steps, church steps. And what I believe is that God's gifted us these steps so that they can be the foundation of our lives, a foundation of following Jesus. And so in terms of building the fire of your faith, building the fire of your life, building the fire of your family, I believe last week we learned some critical pieces that should be the foundation of our fire. It begins with the decision to choose to follow Jesus. And then it begins with the step of faith of being baptized. Then hopefully we find a church that we connect with and we we engage and we begin to attend regularly. And then hopefully we begin to, to play our part at that church, to join a group to volunteer, and then hopefully even we begin to make generosity a part of our lives, and we begin to build a life built on Jesus, and what we're going to talk about today, I believe, is crucially important not to just building this fire, but to growing 
sorry, to make sure it roars as brightly as it can. There's a reason Jesus called us the light of the world. It's because we are supposed to shine. And part of that comes from simply obeying the steps we're talking about, but there's so much more to it. And that's where I want to take you today. I know some of you are thinking, you just wanted to build a fire on stage, and you're pushing this metaphor too far. And I get that. I get that. But I'm not, because it's not my metaphor. There's this guy named Paul who wrote about half of what we call the New Testament. And in one of his letters to his protege, a young man named Timothy, Paul talks about a fire. And it's Paul's teachings that's actually been driving this entire metaphor. Here's what he says when he's writing to Timothy. First thing he tells Timothy, he says, Hey, Timothy, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. He knows Timothy, he knows there's a faith in there. Jesus knows you. He knows those of you who consider yourself Christians. He knows there's a faith in there. If you're here today and you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, Jesus still knows you. And he sees what your life could look like if you chose to trust him. And in fact, he led us to create this church so that you'd feel comfortable asking your questions about faith so that one day you could make the decision many of us have made and choose to follow Jesus so that you too will have a faith inside of you. That's what Timothy had. Timothy had a faith. But watch what Paul says. He says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, Timothy, it's not enough to just have the right pieces in place. It's not enough to just do the right things. It's not enough to just check the boxes. It's not enough to say, well, you know, I'll do all these things at church. I've done all these things. So the rest of my life is me and I can do whatever I want. He says, no, 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 no. That's not enough. Once you have taken these steps, Timothy, your goal is to fan into flame. Is to add oxygen. Is to add air to that fire in your soul that began when you accepted Jesus. Your goal is to fan that into flame. Why? Here's what he says. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So here's what he's saying to me and to you and to us. He's saying, as you choose to fan the flames... As you choose to fan the flames of what God's doing in your life, here are some things that are going to happen. You're going to find yourself walking in power. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that gives us fruit such as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He's saying, hey, as you fan the flames, you're going to find you walk way more in God's strength than you do in your own. He gives you the power. In fact, he gives you all you need to do everything he wants you to do. But not just walk in power. You're also going to be filled with love. Who's love? Jesus' love. You're going to find it easier to love like he loves, to forgive like he forgives. And if you heard last week, we talked about it. What was the last thing, the last commandment Jesus gave to his disciples on the night he was arrested? I'll give you a new commandment. Love each other as I have loved you. You should love each other because this is how the world is going to know 
You're my disciples. How do we make sure we love like Jesus loves? We fan the flames. And lastly, when we do this, we will be guided by self-discipline. The self-discipline that comes from the Holy Spirit. So you could be here today and you could say, man, I've done everything you talked about last week. I've checked all the boxes. I'm in. I serve. I'm in a group. I give. I'm generous. I'm, I'm attending regularly. Let's go. Perfect. Your next step, my next step, all of our next steps is to continue to fan into flame what Jesus wants to do in our life, which means every moment, every decision, every action, every step, we ask the question, is this going to make me more like Jesus or is this going to make me less like Jesus? Is this going to fan into flame what he's doing in my heart? Is this going to make me more kind, more loving? Is this going to fill me more with the Holy Spirit? Or is this going to detract? That's the question. That's my next step. That's your next step. That's all of our next steps for the rest of our lives. And you may be wondering, well, how do we do that? How do we know? There's so much stuff that we can do in life. There's so many options. There's so many decisions, how do we know how to fan the flame? Well, here's the really good news. God was really smart, and ever since he started moving on earth, he has led people to write down what he did. And he's led people to write down his teachings. And in fact, we are told one of the wisest men that ever lived, a man named King Solomon, whose dad was King David, you probably heard of David and Goliath. David killed the giant. This is his son, King Solomon. And here's what he says. Here's his instruction for how we choose to fan into flame what God wants to do in our lives. He says this very simply. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Now, I had the blessing of growing up in church, and so I have known this verse basically my entire life. Now, that's one of the reasons I put it up here, because um, as I've been saying throughout this series, I feel like next steps is a concept that's really easy when you begin Christianity. It can be a little more difficult when you've been a Christian for a while. It can get easy to believe I've arrived. I've kind of, I'm where I need to be, and so that's kind of why I'm bringing this verse back. Because you know what this verse is really saying? What it's encouraging me and you and all of us to do? It simply encourages us to adopt this posture. I'm going to deny myself in devotion to my Savior. I'm not going to leave on, I'm not going to lean on my understanding. I'm going to lean on Jesus's. When he says something is right, I'm going to believe it's right. When he says something is wrong, I'm going to believe it's wrong. And when I disagree with Jesus, he wins. Because he's the Savior and I'm not. He's the King and I'm not. And here's the really good news about knowing what Jesus thinks about how we should live our lives. For three years, he taught how to follow him. He taught his disciples and he taught the crowds around Judea how to do this. And again, God was so smart. He had men write down what Jesus said. And so our first four books of the New Testament are four biographies of Jesus that are filled with his teachings. And those teachings cover the vast majority of every decision, every interaction we'll ever have on a daily basis. And so we don't even have to wonder. We know 
how we deny ourselves in devotion to our Savior because Jesus taught us what he wanted us to do. And then when Jesus uh, died and came back to life, ascended into heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit that continued to teach. That's what we have in the rest of our New Testament. It's more men who are following Jesus, teaching the first Christians how to follow Jesus, how to deny themselves in devotion to their Savior. And it is filled with teachings. It's filled with how do we work this out practically? How do we work this out at home? How do we work this out in our families? How do we work this out when we are trying to parent our children? How do we handle this at work? How do we handle this in the neighborhood? It is filled with clarity. It is filled with definitive answers for what it looks like to deny ourselves in devotion to our Savior. If you've attended our church for any amount of time, every series we have ever done has been built on those teachings aimed at helping us figure out how to deny ourselves in devotion to our Savior in some area of our life. That is the heart of every series we've ever done. How do we choose to trust? How do we choose to follow? How do we apply this in our lives? And so there's literally anywhere in the New Testament I could get to tell us how to do this. But I want to specifically take you to one passage written by the Apostle Paul. And in this passage, he's writing to the church in Rome. And for the first 11 chapters of his letter to the Romans, to the Christians in Rome, he basically recaps everything God has done for us. Sending his son, sacrificing his son so that he could forgive our sin, bringing his son back to life so that we through faith in Jesus could experience a new life ourselves so that we could not only find forgiveness, but find hope, find restoration, find confidence in a future, that we could rest in the fact that we have an eternal God who has a perfect eternity plan for us. He, he covers all this stuff, re recaps for them everything God's done for us. And then in chapter 12, he begins to pivot. And he basically says, in light of everything God's done for us, here's what we should do for him. And here's what he says. He says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. You know what Paul's saying? Deny yourself in devotion to your Savior. That's what it means to be a living and holy sacrifice. Sacrifice. It's not a one-time decision. It means moment by moment, day by day, I sacrifice my desires, my will, my preferences. I lay them down on the altar, and I do what God says for me. Why? Because he loves me so much, he sacrificed his son. Because he's so powerful, he can raise the dead. And he wants to guide me into the life he's created me to live. Paul's point is when you understand that, when you truly understand the goodness of God, all he's done for us, 
He says, truly the way to worship him, but that just simply means the way to respond to what he's done, is to sacrifice. It's to lay it down. That's why we talk about the goodness of God so much. That's why we sing about the goodness of God so much. Because for so, so many of us, it's not an idea of willfully choosing not to follow God. It's that we don't understand at the core how good God is. And it's because we've been lied to our entire lives. We've been convinced he's trying to hold out on us. He's trying to rob our joy, take our fun. And that's just not who God is. The clearer we see who God is, the easier it is to respond how he asks us to respond, which is surrender. And so that's what Paul's saying. Paul's basically saying, look, guys, in light of all he's done, let's, let's respond appropriately. And then in verse 2, I'm going to be honest with you. He says something, and I may be the only one this affects. And so if it's just me, you guys get to listen for a few minutes. But I struggle with this. And I'm your pastor. But I can confess it's tough. When he says this, I say, you know what, Paul, guilty is charged. And I'm guessing I'm not the only one. Because when he says, how do we do this? How do we live our lives as a living and holy sacrifice? Paul gives a very direct command. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Here's what Paul said. He's saying, hey, guys, remember what I just said in chapters 1 through 11? If you were here week one of our series, we talked about this. We were born in trouble with God because we were born into a sinful world. We were born into a world that does not believe in God and distrusts God. Jesus came to rescue us from that world. And when we become Christians, we get a, we get a chance to be set free from that world and follow him into the life he's created us to live. And what Paul is saying is, why, oh, why, oh, why would you ever in a billion years, when you have been set free, when you have a Savior who wants to guide you to a better life, why, oh, why would you ever run back into the world he came to rescue you from? And we say, I don't know, Paul, but we do. Boy, do we. We do. I do. I don't know all of you personally, but the ones I do know, you do. <laughs> and I'm just going to assume that applies to everybody. We do in so many areas of our lives. We love Jesus. Maybe you've checked all the boxes. But then we have these entire swaths, these entire areas of our lives where we never even consult Jesus. We never even ask his opinion. We simply take our cues from everyone else. We live the way they live. We parent the way they parent. We resolve conflict the way they resolve conflict. And what Paul is saying is, hey, 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 hey. If you really want to follow Jesus, if you really want to learn to deny yourself and devotion to yourself, if you want to be a living and holy sacrifice, you got to be honest that we've been rescued from a world that doesn't follow our Savior. And so, 
we should be very careful to make sure we're taking our cues not from the world, but from the Savior who came to rescue us from it. How do we do that? Paul says. He says, don't copy. Instead, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing perfect. I don't want you to miss something. He clearly says we have to start obeying before we discover the benefit of obedience. That's why he says once you do these things, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's why it's faith. Sometimes we have to step. Sometimes we have to obey. And it's only after we obey and then we remember where we go, oh, God, that's what you were doing. You know why he does that? Because he's trying to build our faith. He's trying to build our trust so that the next time he says step, we'll go, well, you know what? The last five times I obeyed, I didn't know why I should, but it worked out for me, so I'm going to obey again. Because obedience is what's best for us. It's what's best for our families. And so when you wrap all this up, what Paul's really saying is he's saying in every single area of my life, in every single area of your life, in every single area of our families' lives, parents, we are responsible for this for our children until they get old enough to make these choices for themselves. He's saying in every single moment, every single area, we've got to think about the fire we're building. We've got to think about the life we're building. We've got to think about the choices we're making. And every choice, every decision, every step, Paul's saying, here's a way to think about if you should or shouldn't take that step. Here's a way to think about the areas in your life that are gray. And look, there's a lot of gray areas in your life. The good thing is, Some of us, black and white, again, we have Jesus' words. They're written down in black and white. We know what we're supposed to do. But there's plenty of areas where Jesus is silent or, like, there's a principle you might could apply, but then there's another principle that might could be applied as well, and there's a lot of freedom in that. There's a lot of freedom he gives us to know how to follow him. But he gives us a question, and it's this. Is this fanning the flames of God's work in my life. Now, one of the first questions you have to ask when a new opportunity comes up, a new choice, a great choice, it's not black and white. Okay, if I add this to my life, is it fanning the flame of God's work in my life? Another way to think about it, to add this to my life do I have to take away one of the foundations of what God's asking me to do? If I add this to my life, does everything get a little off kilter? Why am I adding this to my life? Am I adding this because Jesus has told me to, or am I adding this because everyone else says I should? For example, buckle up. 
I have three sons. And from birth, they loved sports. And pretty early, they were average to above average at their sport. My middle son, Jonathan, was six, seven years old. He excelled at a sport. He excelled at soccer. And you know what happens at that age if you excel at a sport. You get invited to play more. <laughs> for the low cost of $29.99 a week. <laughs> well, John was invited to play more. Whew. And so Danielle and I talked about it, and we prayed about it. And we were like, okay, we'll, we'll try this with very clear boundaries. We'll try this. And our boundary was, you can, you can play, you can, you can do this, but Sundays we go to church. Sundays are, are for God. Obviously, this is what I do for a living. <laughs> we made that clear from the outset. Oh, that's fine. Until we started playing. And John was good. And then an out-of-town tournament popped up, and they were going to play on Sunday. We thought we'd been clear about this. Yep, John's not going to be able to make it. And you would have thought I said, we're having dinner tonight with Martians. <laughs> the, the looks we got, the discussions that were had about us, uh, and it was fascinating to me the number of parents who thought it was a logistics issue. Oh, we'll take John. Oh, he can stay in our room. Oh, he can stay with us. And I'm like, this isn't logistics. I'm his dad. And it's my job to fan into flame the work that the Holy Spirit has for him until he can make that choice for himself. And at seven, me personally, I was way more invested in fanning into flame what God wanted in his life than fanning into flame what these other people wanted in his life. And so we quit. And I feel how uncomfortable you've gotten right now. I feel it. So let me be abundantly clear. It's not my place, and I would never judge you about your parenting. I'd never judge you about how you spend your money. I'd never judge you about how you spend your free time. Not my place 
not my role. Never do it. My role is to stand here and do my best to articulate what Jesus himself would say where he's standing right here. And I believe what Jesus would say. And again, that, that example is personal to me for my life, but, but it, it applies universally. I believe what Jesus would say is, in your parenting, in the way you choose to spend your free time, in the way you choose to spend your money, in the way you choose to resolve conflicts, in the way you engage in day-to-day life, you are fanning into flame something. You are feeding something. And we get to choose. Are we going to fan into flame God's work in our life? Or are we going to fan into flame what the world tells us is important? And I can't tell you how to answer that question. I would never tell you how to answer that question. In fact, I only have one challenge about the question to parents, to non-parents, how you spend your money, how you spend your time, how you raise your children. Just one question. Hey, Jesus, what do you think about this choice? Look, if you've asked that question about parenting, about money, about free, any of it, if you've asked the question you're great. You're done. Because you've denied yourself in devotion to your Savior. You said, hey, Jesus, what do you think about this? And again, just to be real clear, I know plenty of parents in our church that play travel sports. They've asked the question. He said yes. They go. They spend the weekends together. They watch us online. They consider themselves missionaries on their sports teams. So back off, all right? Because <laughs> I was expecting some emails, and I'm not going to read them because that's not what I said. You've heard me talk. All three of my boys play high school sports. We joke every year. In January, we give our lives to Jesus and baseball, all right? So I'm not, I'm not, this isn't about sport. It's about my next step, your next step, our next step in every single area of our lives is to make sure we are not taking our cues from a world our Savior came to rescue us from. And the only way to know is to ask the question. Hey, Jesus, are you cool if we invest in this with my family? Hey, Jesus, are you, are you cool if we spend our money this way? Hey, Jesus, are you, are you cool if we spend our free, free time this way? Hey, Jesus, are you cool if I resolve conflict this way? Hey, Jesus, is this what you want for me? If you've asked and he's answered, proceed. If you've never asked, I just humbly suggest your next step is to ask the question. And here's the good news. We don't even have to wonder because he's already told us the results we'll find when we are fanning into flame what he wants for our lives. So not only do we say, hey, is this fanning the flame of God in my life? There's some follow-up questions we can ask. We can say, hey, am I walking in the power of the Holy Spirit? Hey, parents, are my kids walking in the power of the Holy Spirit? Is the time and the energy and the money we're spending on X, are they becoming more like Jesus or less like Jesus? 
do they come home acting more like him or more like their coach? Do I find myself becoming more like Jesus or more like the people in my life who don't believe in Jesus? That's the question. Because when we fan into flame, we're going to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are going to live in the peace that comes from the Holy Spirit. In fact, another question we can ask is, am I filled with the love of Jesus? Because that's what happens when we fan into flame. When we step with him, when we step into what he wants, we are filled with his love. We love like him. We act like him. We forgive like him. We have compassion like him. So maybe that's another question to ask. In the areas where you're investing time, talent, treasure. Is this filling me with the love of Jesus? Or is this filling me with a competition? Am I finding myself wanting to put down a nine-year-old? She thought that was funny. They didn't. They're real nervous right now. Last question. Am I guided by the self-discipline of the Holy Spirit? See, Jesus is very clear on how we build our lives. He's very clear on some basics. And then he invites us to invite to trust him and to follow him and to simply say, man, is this, Jesus, is this growing me closer to you or is this taking me farther away from you? And if he's taking it further away from him, he would say, stop, because you're running right back into a world I came to rescue you from. And I know some of you, you're sitting here and you, you're, you're being very polite. I appreciate that. No one's thrown anything. No one's booed. But I hear you, I hear you thinking, man, this is too much. Trey, you're being extreme. Trey, you're going too far. And here's what you would say if we were the kind of church that let you stand up and talk, and we're not. (laughs) We're not. I'll be in the lobby afterwards, but we're not. Here's what you'd say. Trey, if I'm hearing you correctly, Are you really trying to tell me that I'm supposed to filter every choice, every decision, every moment, everything, myself, parenting, all of it through Jesus? Man, it sounds like you're saying he's supposed to be the center of everything in my life. And here's what I'd say back. I'm not saying that. He is. And to gain that access to your life, he laid down his. So he's not asking you to do anything he didn't do for you first. He walked to the cross, innocent, allowed himself to be beaten and killed. 
for us. You know what he did? He denied himself in devotion to you. That's what he did. So how can we not? Once we understand that, return the favor. How can we not say, okay, I'll deny myself in devotion to my Savior? All of it, every area. It's yours. That's the call. That's the next step. And for some of you today, the step is very clear. I don't know what it is you do. You've been fidgeting for 20 minutes. <laughs> and I love you. I'm not judging you. I have steps to take. We all do. But take the step. Also know, in a church our size, how we make it safe for people to come back to faith, you really might not know what your next step is. Like, man, I'm sure there are probably parts of my life that aren't up to what Jesus wants, but I don't even know what they are. And so if that's you today, your next step, I believe, is to sign up for an environment that we have called Starting Point. And Starting Point is exactly what it sounds like. It's an environment that teaches us how to build our lives on Jesus. So who's starting point for? Anyone and everyone that doesn't perfectly already build their lives on Jesus. Here's the cool thing about this environment. We do it on Sunday mornings. It's right here. And it's a safe space for you to ask questions and get answers and find clarity and really dig deep and understand why and how we do what we've been talking about. And so if you don't know what your next step is today, my challenge is to sign up for Starting Point. Begin a journey. I'm saying, Jesus, I want to deny myself in devotion to you. I don't know how to do that yet in every area, but I'm going to take a step so I learn more, so I understand more, so that I can do everything I can to fan in the flame everything you want to do in my life and in the life of my family. And here's my promise as your pastor. We'll be with you every step of the way. We're here to help. Our job is to help you fan in the flame everything that Jesus wants to do in your life. And we can help. We're here. But ultimately, we all have to decide. Are we going to continue to take our cues from a world Jesus came to save us from? Or are we going to take our cues from a Savior who laid down his life pray for you. God, we love you so much. And wow, are we grateful for who you are and for, for what you've done. And Oh, Father, I thank you so much for your son. Um, I thank you for his teachings. I thank you for his sacrifice. I thank you for his Holy Spirit. I thank you that 
you want to be involved in every single area of our lives. And so, so Jesus, I just, I beg you right now, I beg your Holy Spirit, fall in this room. Give us clarity. Jesus, convict our hearts of places where we have walked without asking your permission. Places where we just walked because everyone else was walking that way. Jesus, convict us of those things and give us the clarity and the courage to turn around and walk back towards you. Father, I pray for those of us in the room who our next step is just to get to know more about you. Jesus, I pray that we would sign up, take a step and a starting point. Take a step to discover your amazing, perfect plan for our lives. We love you. We thank you for everything you've done, and we ask you to give us the courage today to deny ourselves in devotion to your son. We love you. We thank you. So your son's name we pray. Amen.